0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, a comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the Not-So-Solitary Fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, in this two-hour and 15-minute episode, Graham McMillan and I manage to somehow find time to discuss... The Immortal Hulk number 9, Electric Warriors number 1, the first issue of Gobots by Tom Scioli, Outer Darkness number 1 by John Layman and Afu-chan, Heroes in Crisis number 3, Avengers 700 and more, despite also blabbing at length about Bohemian Rhapsody, The Night Comes For Us, and whatever other things strike our extremely erratic fancy comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcasts.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham
1: McMillan! Hello! Hello, and happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy, uh, Thanks Saturday. There should be a name, right? There should be.
0: There should be, especially considering... Black Friday has become such a thing. I feel like well, we should have... Oh,
1: like, oh, no, wait, there is. There's, it's Small Business Saturday, isn't it? Oh, Because it's yeah, Black Friday, right. and then it's Small Business Saturday, and then it's Nobody Gives a Fuck Sunday, and then it's Cyber Monday. Right. Right. I gotta tell you, nobody gives a fuck Sunday would be great if, A,
0: that word's actual name, and, B, it was like The Purge or something. That would totally...
1: <laughs> Give be it, fun. like, a year, Jeff. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Seriously.
0: Hey! Happy no Gives a Fuck Sunday! <laughs> Molotov cocktails for everyone,
2: motherfuckers! Woo!
1: Ah, that'd be great. When I, At the end, pardon me was like, Jeff knows that Molotov cocktails aren't cocktails, right? Check knows what a Molotov
0: cocktail right? Of course! I, I mean, it's, it's, yeah! I mean,
1: this could be awkward. And you're is, like, sure, is,
0: sure, I do, of course great. I do. There it's like two parts uh, vodka to like one part cinnamon schnapps, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Graham. Thank you. I do like, I just, I'm a big fan of saying woo, but you're right, cocktails and woo does make it sound like I'm really thinking about drinking the Molotov cocktails. The thing that's great is, of course, I was talking so quickly uh eagle-eared listeners will hear me say Molokov cocktails.
1: Jeff, I, I've got to be honest. It. I heard you say that, but I just thought I'd ignore it. Oh, cram. I was supposed to draw attention to it. You're like the worst wingman in the world. I love the
0: fact that you're like, oh, I heard it. I just didn't say anything. I just decided to grill you on whether you knew whether it was actually a drink <laughs> or not.
1: Like, what? That's the funny thing, Jeff. You have not being able to talk is not funny. Like you misunderstanding what you know, an incredibly famous I was gonna say explosive device. Would you call it a device? Well I mean sure, I guess. In the sense I'm that fine. it's constructed, it's not you I'm don't find it but in it, nature. But it, it feels weird to call it a device. Like it's got to have some gears or something to technically be like a device? I feel like a device should be some like technical in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like there should be technology. There should be something like a grenade is an explosive device. Sure. Absolutely. It, I feel wild explosive. Device feels wrong. It feels too simple to be a device. You know, is a rock a device? Uh,
0: no, a rock is not a device. But wouldn't you say like a rock and a sling is a device?
1: That's what I'm. That I'm. I'm having problems because my gut instinct is no. Wow. Right. Graham McMillan, I'm, technology snob, is on the case. Do
0: you want to? Do you want to go to that, Google that's and just, see? Or? No, no,
1: I, no, I think we should leave this in the hands of the public. I think the whatnot should rake me over the coals about this. <laughs> that would. That would be
0: great. I would love that we're like uh somehow are going to upset the entire uh improvised explosive device subreddit and they're just
1: going to come after you on mass because there probably is one right
0: oh well of course
1: oh certainly there's there's an ied yeah
0: completely there's an ied
1: subreddit oh man jeff (laughs) jeff so uh, to again we're a comic book podcast let's not talk about comics for a while um I do this thing for Wired every week where right. I do, like, pick five things that people have talked about in the internet and do, like, summary.
2: hmm
1: Right? Uh, and I have to... Like, it basically, like, on, on Thursday and Friday, I'm like, okay, I have to write this up. And it's normally super fucking long, Jeff. It's normally, like, 1,700 words. Oh, I'm sure. Because um, it's five things. Not, that's, and like... that's not including, like, the tweets I'm actually... Or the links that mm-hmm. I'm actually including. Right? Mm-hmm. That's 1,700 words of me in addition to all this shit. Oof. Um... And not to get too heavily political, but, like, I started it before the current administration. Oh, dear. Right. And it was literally, like, funny things on the internet. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and at some point, and I want to say it was, like, maybe, because it wasn't immediately after Trump took office, mm-hmm. but but fairly quickly after, it literally became, like, what is on fire in the world this Yeah, this right. Week? Exactly. yeah. And so on Monday, my editor from Wired is like, it's, it's, you know, none of us are working past Wednesday. Just do a short one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, great. That's so great. Like I won't have to write 1700 words. Oh, wonderful. Hooray. <laughs> uh, first of all, 1500 words. Oh, good. Wow. Sure. <laughs> but literally, there was a point on Monday afternoon where I was like, maybe nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like may, maybe, maybe I can actually do something that is like. And here's, you know, I mean, literally, I was looking at the the Dave McKean comic that everyone was getting upset about. Oh yeah, right. What's the topic, right? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And then like Tuesday morning, it was like, uh, here are seven things that the Trump family have done while you were asleep. Oh God, it's so <laughs> true. It like,
2: holy shit.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, That was that was weirdly a roundabout way of of uh, me going to bring up. Were you paying attention to the the Dave McKean thing, the, the Abrams thing this week?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I saw that it happened. It sounded um kind of god awful, and I see that Abrams have pulled the book. Oh no, I did not hear that, which
1: I think is yeah. great. Okay, uh, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, it it was it was announced a while ago, mm-hmm. um, but but the beginning of this week it basically picked up, uh volume on the internet that dave McKean was illustrating a essentially illustrating a poem and turning it into a graphic novel by uh i want to say he's a poet uh a a book by i think he's a poet Mm -hmm. in the uk the plot of which is um a young muslim kid's is going to blow up a library until he goes in and starts reading books. And then he realizes that terrorism is bad.
0: Well, is there, even sort of, I think, more patronizingly, I think he can't read. And so he goes well, in. Isn't that it? And he sees uh, the people okay, who can't read. read. I mean,
1: you've read it, it so you'd know. Well, okay. I've not read it. Oh, I thing. see. Oh, okay. But um, McKean was really, really, really voluble after people started getting upset about this, mm-hmm. saying that is not in it and that shouldn't be in the description. Hmm. That element was part of the original story, Mm -hmm. and McKean explains it. And he was very passionate about getting rid of that. Wow. He apparently had... I mean, he was very upset that people were bringing this up. Mm -hmm. Apparently did not seem to get the tone deafness of everything else to do with the concept. Yes. But was, like, really, you know, upset. Like, you know, self-righteously upset. Mm-hmm. that how people think that i would include that and it's like well everything else about this idea is really tasteless yes. so why don't why, why is that the thing um so that this this was uh a back and forth i'm gonna say it was like monday tuesday wednesday maybe Hmm. Uh, and then by friday abrams would pull the book and the book was due out in like a week or something like that Oof, yeah. so that this is not something wherein you know they'd announced it and the book was not completed the book was done the book was ready to be released uh and they pulled it which is, is kind of amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if nothing else, it shows a fundamental flaw in the Abrams, uh, editorial system that it could get all the way through to completion without anyone realizing that maybe this is a tone deaf book. Well, I mean, like, like where it, this sounds like I'm doing a parody of, of, people complaining about political correctness, right. but there really are meant to be sensitive to readers. No, 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 I agree, and I'd be
0: curious to see, like, uh, I mean, and that's the thing that we would dig into. As you point out, like, this is this is a week out from the book shipping, which means that... The title I, I, and the description think... went out. Must have gone out to book publishers to order, right? Or am I mistaking? in the
2: Abrams no, no, no. is like.
1: No, no, a... I, I, think you're right. I, I, I won't say. In my defense, I may be flattening that timeline. It may be like you know a month out, as opposed a week out. Right. But it was, it was finished and ready to ship. Right. Which is to me, Which to me
0: suggests that they did some version of soliciting initial orders, and who knows you know it would really take someone to dig into it cuz there are times that we hear about where it was like something that was flagged continuously and got overwritten you know uh concerns were overwritten for whatever reasons or it could be one of those situations where just everyone's kind of like yes yes the the wonderful magic of literature
1: you know and not it wasn't but really it seems until to be – like stage. from from looking at McKeen's responses mhm like in his frame of mind he really does see it as a this is a book about the power of books mm-hmm. and about how books can change the world well, of course and you know a it again getting to like the parodic element mm-hmm. that sounds like a parody of like dave mckean collaborator of neil gaiman you know yes, right like i want to tell you a story mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About right. the power of books yeah um But, you know, he really does seem to sincerely believe that this, A, Mm -hmm. was a valid story to tell, Mm -hmm. and B, that it was making a valid point about the power of art. Mm -hmm. And on one hand, like, God bless him, you know? No, absolutely, right. But on the other, no one else was like, no. Right. You know what? No. And and understandably, a lot of people were, were complaining, saying... Imagine this was a white kid who was going to be a school shooter. Yeah, you know, which is a fuck ton more likely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I I think that it's kind
0: of. Uh, I'm sure you saw it, but G Willow Wilson had a great thread on that book because mm. she talked about how she had been
1: approached. Approached by about it, right? Yeah. No, it, it was wasn't that. It was a a program to essentially. Uh, create comics and literature to as propaganda.
0: Yeah, as as propaganda to a, a essentially um, counteract a terrorism, potential terrorists and things. And you know, she's like, yeah, this has got some pretty big money way behind it. She's like, I've gotten pitched this a couple of times, and she's like, this is part of a, a bigger thing. And it, ha- she said, like in many cases it's well meaning but there's a lot of really gross assumptions that are going on underneath it as well and so she was like yeah I stay away from this this is why but you know she sort of pointed to there being sort of like you said larger propaganda involvements in there and also you know her thing of like of course there's kernel of of good things at the at the core of it but i mean that's that's one of the problems with you know, as you know, the the whole hierarchy of entitled white dudes being the only gatekeepers to this stuff mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. they think that this is really great and can't. It, it's precisely because they can't see how, like you said, parodic and just in in it's so classically skewed to the point of offensiveness. It is inherently offensive. It is, and it's like. You know, let, if you are going to undertake such a thing, like, and obviously it's like an adaptation of a poem. I don't, it seems right from there that it's like, but you know, like, if you get, if you get people who, who I I would say, like, depending on the community that you're trying to address you know sort of tackle the issues but the fact is and i think that is the other thing that it makes this interestingly enough i feel like a year two years ago i feel like it probably some of the outcry would have been a little more minor and i think it would have been a little less it, it it would have stuck – either it would have stuck in fewer throats or it wouldn't have really had the heightened sense of um, awareness on both ends about it.
1: You know, because I think well, there I, is a I, lot I, of – I uh, think you're right to a degree. I think what would have happened is I think – I could see the outcry being exactly the same a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. I don't think Abrams would have pulled the book.
0: I don't, I don't think Abrams would have pulled the book. I think there might have been a smaller amount of – because how do I put it? I feel that, say – well depending depending on how you want to roll this back but i think at least in america if you are paying attention there are a lot of people who are incredibly aware that there's a there's a fuck ton of shooting going on in america a lot of it is public politically motivated a lot of it would qualify as terrorism even though it's not being called that in most of the media and It's you know like again there was just that that study going around what those stats like a few weeks ago or a month ago about the number of people in America killed by terrorism and the acts of terrorism being uh, far right wing terrorists in gun shooting is Mm -hmm. so much higher than any other form of terrorist act that I sort of feel like having that in front of people's eyes. Like, and then for this, it's like, no, this is, like, it's so much easier to pinpoint and say with clarity why this is wrong, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I I just unfortunately feel that, you know, America being, becoming the really uh, impressive bloodbath-a-thon that it is, I think at this point in 2018, it's a lot easier than it might have been in 2014 to 2015 to say, like, look, people are getting shot by, like, don't, what, this bullshit about, you know, a suicide bomber in a library is, like, uh, it's, it's offensive, and it's, and it's not addressing any kind of real problem, it's just. Exactly,
1: it's offensive, and also, it's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's factually wrong, you want to talk about, like, the dangerous thing happening right now? exactly. It's not, it's not a suicide, a Muslim suicide bomber walking into a library. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it's just and in that sense, when it's that divorced from reality, like who is that really going to affect apart from Dave McKean's bank balance?
2: You know?
1: I've gotta say, I'm really and this I think speaks to uh my I don't know if it's my position of privilege or like or like my age or my demographic or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm genuinely uh saddened by McKean's defense of it. And I'm genuinely saddened that it got, like, to the point of publication through Abrams. Uh Do you know what I mean? Like, I I actually expected better from from both parties.
2: Yeah,
1: I guess.
0: I mean, again, there's that thing where if Wilson is correct, it wouldn't surprise me if the Abrams thing is being propped up by a certain amount of, you know, fiscal underwriting
1: by... Sure, but nonetheless, Abrams were publishing it. It was going out under Abrams... Uh, Well, of course. You know, under under Abrams' name, it was going out under their imprint. It it clearly had some form of like it. uh, So, for example, if this was not Abrams, but this was Marvel or DC or whatever, Mm -hmm. like I would still consider a Marvel or DC title. Mm -hmm. You know, right as you should. Well,
2: uh, we. It doesn't matter.
1: Doesn't matter who's funding it.
0: We're aware that there are uh, comic book publishers who do publish certain books under with their imprint on it, but are essentially like sort of paid to play books, right? Sure, but at the same time. And uh, we view those books as their books, and
1: we rightly should. Yeah, no, 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 no. Think no, no, back no. like mm-hmm. a year ago to the Northrop Grumman, yeah. uh, Grumman Marvel books. Right. Like we thought of those as Marvel books. Mm-hmm. We weren't going like you know, well, this is a disaster, but you know, let's cut Marvel some slack because Northrop Grumman paying for it. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh. Well, the only thing I can say, and maybe this is not useful, or it's let's put it's probably not anything that you don't know, but I think it's you can never underestimate. The draw of a solid check in an industry that relies on shifting payments. You know what I mean? Like, I, Graham, I, I only dipped my toes into the freelancer pool. For a relatively brief period of time, I had my day job, I had my, my unsuccessful, uh, self-published writing stuff, but I also had a brief period where you and I were, were actually work colleagues, uh, at yeah. IO9, for example, and, uh, people have probably rightfully forgotten, but I did, uh, some dialogue for, uh, Telltale Games, some video games dialogue, that uh, I'm still relatively proud of and I have to say a few other uh freelance projects and I'm astounded by my, such a brief time in the freelancer pool I'm now involved in no less than two like bankruptcy settlement statement things where it's <laughs> like uh, you, I went through got- that period where I was like Every it was like once a month I would get some sort of amazing legal announcement about Gawker oh, yeah. and Gawker's yes. assets.
1: Yeah. It right? was it was stunning. It really was, and it wouldn't just be like a letter. It'd be like here's a 16 page document for exactly. you to read.
0: Exactly,
1: 16 pages. So now of course
0: I got one.
1: I don't know if I will
0: get more from Telltale Games because I don't know. I it's not your neck of the woods, but I'm sure you're aware. No, yeah. But
1: but I knew the Telltale's. Gone.
0: Yeah. Gone and and gone in a dramatically sudden fashion, actually, a, a really impressive collapse that, you know, is is really a drag because of the number of, of talented people that were there for a long time. Um, but during my time there, like, you know, as a freelance guy, uh, there was a point where I got called to do uh, a CSI game where I did this, uh, the dialogue uh, for and actually kind of helped plot one of the the cases on there, which was kind of interesting i don 't know plotting might have been overstating it, but yeah a little a little bit more than just dialoging it and in the course of working with the producer who was a really sweet guy, I mean the fact of the matter was this was a contractually kind of like it was a contractually obligated game, and it was literally. God I feel comfortable saying this since everyone and everything has gone under, and I'm getting layers in the mail, but it was just being hacked out, you know I mean it was they were like yeah the the producer who was yeah, it, if he wasn't a first time producer, it was close had been with the game uh with telltale for a while, he definitely took it seriously, but in the course of talking to him, it was like. This is not a game that we have a lot of budget for. This is not a game. And he was kind of like, yeah. And so we have, because we've signed a product placement deal with McAfee, you're going to have to have scenes in the game where at certain points, you've, you've got to have a sequence where, where McAfee has to like scan a message and, and, and give you info. So like, I was like, oh, that's, I feel gross, you know? Like, I mean, and I, it's, of course I did. And he didn't feel much better about it, but they were kind of like, you know, a check's a check. And I kind of, this was their bottom line. This was a little bit of like, this is how they keep the lights on. This is how they keep people yeah. paid. This is, you know, they could still afford to pay me like a semi-decent amount of money for it to to crank this out. And... um. So I'm just saying, like, on the one hand, yes, Abrams, big mistake. But I can also see, like, when they're a little bit of, like, no, 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 it's okay. We've got Dave McKean attached, you know. Again, this is this is why people of color rightfully say, like, it doesn't matter how well-intentioned, you know, the white people are. You've still got enormous blind spots. You're still going to walk into the – and and – the hubris involved like not everyone is as savvy as neil gaiman most people are you know you know a lot less flat-footed and every once in a while believe their own hype or even really when they know like it's very easy to do this thing of like no 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 you know the person the woman who wrote uncle tom's cabin had nothing but the purest motives in mind you know, that didn't stop it from being like a horrifying, you know, collection of racist stereotypes mm-hmm. that she was trying to utilize in, in towards good ends. But, uh, you know, I mean, and that's kind of like part of me is like, yeah, what I hope is, is that if Abrams doesn't have uh, diversity readers and diversity editors,
1: they get them. You know, or if they do oh, it, have them there, they
0: fucking sh- listen to them. Yeah, you know? there's
1: surely no way after this that they're not like, okay. Like, yeah. we, we need to get on top of this. It, it it you know, I it's almost impossible not. Yeah. Then again, if this year has been about anything in terms of the comic industry, it's been about me being like, surely and being one
2: hundred percent wrong.
1: <laughs> no, seriously, like <laughs> last weekend was the one year anniversary of CB sibuski as Marvel editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Last Saturday, seventeenth. And if you would ask me on the 17th of November no on the like the it's 31st of December last year
2: mm-hmm.
1: is Sebulki at some point going to have to talk publicly about Akira Yoshida I'd be like of course he does there's no way he can't like he can hide for it for so long but someone's going to ask him at a convention or he's going to have to do an interview with the press and someone's going to ask him
2: mm-hmm.
1: nope 100% wrong yeah
0: 100% wrong well, actually, I feel like didn't it? I mean, in the sense of he was able to give an evasive answer and it was taken at face value. But wasn't he asked it in a, a like New ABC, York Times or C B? Oh, ABC.
1: ABC. Of course, right. Like speaking of propaganda, with, yeah, where he was basically just like, "Yeah, it was a terrible mistake. Moving on." Right. You know, and yeah. it, it's just, well, so, and honestly, it. yeah, that doesn't count. You know, like it really doesn't. Well, but I mean, that's
0: kind of the genius of it is like, of course, it doesn't really count, but
1: but it counts enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, but but I I honestly I honestly believe that he wouldn't get away with that. And he did. Yeah. You know, so, you know, Abrams is probably going to be fine.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they pulled the book you know what i mean so i mean in that sense they did more than cb sibulski ever did so we'll see how things go like hopefully the the problem is is that they they need to pay attention to their shit moving forward of course marvel by all accounts seems to be you know doing great at least compared to you know the horrific death rattles that it, noises that it was making you know a year ago sure
1: yeah marvel has had a much better 2018 than it had 2017 much much better and there's still like wacky as shit stuff happening marvel Mm -hmm. but it's all coming from this like more financially sound position that said like you look at february solicits and i cannot believe that there are two separate wolverine team up miniseries launching in february yeah That's nuts to me. Yeah. Like, that's genuinely nuts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it's probably going to be successful. Like, I'm sure Return of Wolverine is paying off for them.
0: Well, apparently. I mean, I think that's why they're moving forward. And I I have to say, like, part of of me is I'm always a little worried now when I start to get the uh, chocolate of talking about comics we've read in with the peanut butter of talking about the comics news. But... (laughs) Uh, reading some comics just overall recently, but also like kind of like sitting down and being like, oh holy shit, I should catch up on my, my digital to read pile for the stuff we're talking about tonight. Admittedly, I, w- I think I was in one of those periods where I'm like, comics are great. Like I read a, some comics today. I'm like, this is good. This is good. This is really great. This is surprisingly entertaining. Wow. Comics are great, everybody. Uh, so maybe I'm just like biased or brain damaged or whatever, but I, I have to say, there's Marvel's financial health, and then there's, honestly, some of Marvel's output is enjoyable. I mean, I don't know how wide that goes, because I'm not keeping up...
1: Even I'm even super, my I'm super curious what you're reading in that case. Like, for example, Immortal Hulk continues to just be jaw-droppingly good.
0: We'll see, and there you go. It's a Hulk book that is jaw-droppingly good. That's that is kind of like we kind of like oh take and that it's kind of amazing cuz
1: like it's were what issue 10? It, yeah. Uh, 10 yeah like, 10 or 8 or something like that um issue I'm, 9 and like, mm-hmm. like Ewing has not dropped the ball yet yeah well Do you know what I mean which is kind
0: of amazing now honestly i have to say like uh yes uh, absolutely but i think the other thing that should not be um understated and also points to good signs of what things going on with Marvel is it's had a consistent creative team I love what Joe Bennett is doing on this book and even on issue nine even where they've decided to do things several times in this series where they divide the art chores for Mm -hmm. different viewpoints I feel like that still works and but the book also gets still has a consistency and I, I'm going to be honest issue nine is the first time I thought it hasn't worked you, oh yeah I I I was 50-50
1: on it honestly I, I was kind of like eh, I was. And, and the weird thing is it worked for me at the earlier part of the issue because Martin Simmons art actually does for me have a, a similarity to Christian Ward which is the last time you saw Astonishing Man mm, mm. but when it gets into like they're splitting the art between uh, Simmons and uh, and Bennett in the same scene in the fight. Right. That's when I was like, "No, this this doesn't work like that. You shoot like it. Sh- you only should have had Simmons on for the flashbacks." You know,
0: uh, it's interesting because at the at the risk of super spoiling it, one of the things that I I thought that it did work. Is this scene where Crusher Creel is somewhere else um, mm-hmm. and the art takes yet another turn? Like it's it's the same um non Bennett artist, but he really just pumps up the crazy
1: uh Martin Simmons well, or- I, I, I understandably, because like what is happening at that is is really uh bouncing Something that's been in the book since, you know, at, at least issue two, if not even issue one. Yes. But, but putting it up considerably, really doing something else with that concept. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which you, and, and so it makes sense that it's like, you know, bump it up. But no, it's, it really is the scene, the page that Simmons of, does of the fight, mm-hmm. like, honestly it took me out of the story. I kind of get it.
0: I kind of get it. It's not, for whatever reason, I, I do think that it's not the strongest issue. I, I think there's a case to be made. It might be the weakest issue. Because there's a little bit in which um, Ewing has to lay two sets of groundwork at the same time for for Creel. You know, at both like the, here's what's happening to him, but also kind of, Here's my take on the character in order to make to get to the payoff that I need, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't that it didn't work. I guess I just, I, with the exception of the surprises of the two last pages or the pa- next to last page and the last page or however that works out, uh, it just it it didn't it just kind of didn't have enough zest or surprise it, the it issue didn't felt it kind didn't of predictable. have the
1: well part of it is it's coming after like a run of like three issues yeah that that really were maybe four issues when it's since the sasquatch issue mm-hmm. there has been there's been a sort of heightened alert
2: mm-hmm.
1: in this in the narrative and i and, and i think yeah. i think there's there's something that you know I can, uh, appreciate on the writer level of, mm-hmm. of you have to ramp it back down. Right. Right. Which I do get and you're right. And, and, and the Bennett, the Bennett element, the Hulk element of that issue mm-hmm. works for me in terms of foreboding. Mm-hmm. There's something really good about the Hulk is very much, I came back here because this is my plan, because this is how I'm going to beat him. And then having the moment of, I've been manipulated. Like yeah. is, is really good and it is a really good way of seeming to lower the threat level. Mm-hmm. And then when you least expect it, upping it again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I see what you're saying about the the uh crusher mm-hmm. element. Seeming like a weird distraction.
0: Yeah. It was a weird one part was it was a weird distraction, which was fine. I mean I think one of the things that's worth keeping in mind is how much uh Ewing takes the immortal hulk and has been using it since it's a horror story using it as a focus of telling stories about other people mm-hmm. um this is just the first time where i felt like i went into the book kind of knowing what to expect and basically being right for about 80 percent of that and previously um that percentage was much much lower. Like I'd walk in and be like, oh, I know where this is going. And like, oh, no, I don't. Or oh, this was way more satisfying or interesting um, than I was expecting. So,
1: I, I'm curious you having said that. And again, we're purposely not spoiling the end. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised by the end. Yes, by by the 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 actual like final reveal of the book. Yeah yeah yeah. No the the I, yeah the one page I'm, and then the other page was like, oh okay, that's interesting and to a very large extent that those two pages were redeemed uh, so I, I, I still have problems with I think that Simmons was, was not used well in the issue mm-hmm. Um, but I it redeemed the, the problems I had with writing in the issue mm. because one of my problems with issue 9 is I think I said this before I, when Infinity Countdown came out they quote unquote restored Galactus and they undid what Ewing had done with them in the Ultimates. And that was, I really, like, that was a problem for me. Because I found so much more narrative potential in the idea of Galactus as a life bringer than Galactus as the guy who eats planets. Like, it, there seems no purpose to me. And, and especially for the Infinity Countdown, there seems no narrative purpose for that story. Mm-hmm. To that, other than it's what people expect. We, got, we want to see it in purple again. Right. Um, bringing Crusher and doing what they do with Crusher in this Immortal Hulk issue felt very like Ewing was doing that to the character following Black Bolt, you know. I and so I really did have this moment of like, oh f- fuck, you know. And, and he's doing it with far more subtlety than Infinity War did, uh, and and also to be fair, far more ambivalence. You know, Crusher is uh to some extent uh ambivalent about about what is happening mhm uh, and not necessarily like slotting into the villainous role yes but the idea that he can be manipulated even in that way seemed like it was an undoing again mm-hmm. that 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 really like did made me go fuck like no like it's uh i think i've talked about this before in this podcast the it's the Sandman being turned evil again in Spider-Man. Right. You know, after after going through years of, of redemption. Yes. You know? And that's just dull to me. And mm-hmm. also really frustrating because the moral of the story becomes you can't redeem yourself. Right. I yeah. mean, the moral of the story becomes, oh, there, there's no point. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're going to inevitably, re- you know, resort back to, to whatever you were when you first appeared. Which it's superhero comics, like, on some level that's true. Well, I mean, it's, I think the thing that's sad about it is, is there was a little
0: bit of the, the, you know, again, the, the whole illusion of change, which people didn't always get the full memo on, meant that things really did end up changing in superhero comics, like, you know,
1: Well, the illusion of change thing, what made it work was you create that illusion by changing the minor characters. Well, yes, exactly. Right? Like, you you don't have to change Spider-Man. Right. But you can change Sandman. Right. Or you can change Flash
0: Thompson. Or you can change Harry Osborn. No, I absolutely 100% agree. I mean, and that's the thing. As time went on, like, even after they sort of started, like, hey, the illusion of change, like... Clark Kent got and Lois Lane got married. Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson got married. Like and and there's sort of the the you know the companies then had to sort of wrestle with the oh fuckness of it all because in a way they had gone so far down this road, um, far past. I mean I I to me I I feel like the statement well of course it is because they're superhero comics, is kind of a is 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 kind of a a uh, a recent adaptation you know what i mean like
1: yeah, no it's honestly it is kind of a recent um disappointment like yes. it, it comes it comes with a bitterness yeah. of of honestly like the last 10 years mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, which, which have
1: so. really dramatically seen uh mm-hmm. you know you thought the characters were evolving well tough luck because you know, if it's DC, it's a re- reboot. Or if it's Marvel, it's just literally we're doing a status quo change to yeah. any given character.
0: And in some cases, we're going to explicitly address that status quo in a way that's pretty disappointing, it can be very disappointing or not. Or sometimes they don't even. And it's just kind of like, uh, weren't you guys paying attention? Like what, what happened to this or that? The I, for myself, there's kind of a, I have so little skin in the game when it comes to either universe that I can kind of let those things kind of roll on and be like, well, okay, oh, sure. I it, mean, like, you know. I,
1: I, I, I uh, but I that's a shame in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I get um, it. I because, get it. Because at the same time, like, you know, you look at something like Mr. Miracle, I never cared if that story was in continuity. Right. That didn't matter to me at all. Right. Right. You know, um, and to be honest, and you've read the last issue of Mr. Miracle by now, right? Yes,
0: I was going to try and be comical about that, but no, no, yes, I have. and It would probably <laughs> um, be a good thing to talk about.
1: Well, well, but what I was going to say is, like, it's like, issue 11 of Mr. Miracle was all the way up to going, we're going to explain the continuity, and issue 12 makes a point of being like, no, we're not. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I feel like in, it's in as Tom King has said it all takes place in continuity. Right. Issue 12 just does, doesn't. Like, it, it, it completely, and, and for my money, wonderfully, just sidesteps it. And mm. the reason I say that is, mm-hmm. Mr. Miracle and Barda have shown up in the Justice League comics since then.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You know? Right. So clearly, like, it, it doesn't. And that's fine. And that's good. Um. Well, unless, unless, Unless Tom
0: King has a far more sinister understanding of continuity than you or I do, which wouldn't actually surprise me.
1: Uh, Um, I can, I can speak to that slightly mm. to be a bit spoilery, which is I read Heroes in Crisis issue three. Oh. And you and I have talked, I think on this podcast before about both of us being disappointed in issues one and two. Uh, I actually jumped off after issue one because I I didn't see it getting any better. Yeah. Uh, issue three is not only the first uh, downright good issue, it's the first great issue. Wow. Really? Uh, I'm And stunned. honestly, where it gets there mm-hmm. is by being a flashback issue. Mm-hmm. It is the Lee Weeks drawn issue. hmm And it is what happens to three members before the murder. Mm-hmm. It's sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Um and it is it's honestly everything I wanted from the series in first issue.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It also and I'm I'm aware that this episode is going to be released before this comic is released, Right. so I'm really hyper aware of of spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it ends in such a way that either A solves the mystery or B is a massive fucking swerve. Mm. Huh. that adds in really intensely to the mystery. Huh. Um, but what comes before that, mm-hmm. and specifically with its treatment of two of the characters mm-hmm. who are explicitly trying to come to terms with their trauma, mm-hmm. is hands down far better than anything else that's been in the series so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made me go, oh, that's what I liked about Mr. Miracle as well. I liked it when it was a character study and the plot didn't really matter.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: what I like about Mr. Miracle is ultimately I was never invested in these, a question of who is going to win the war between Genesis and Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, of course. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I I was interested in how is Scott? How is Barda? Mm-hmm. Like, are, how, are, how are they dealing with the trauma? Right. And so Heroes in Crisis 3 comes out and it is very much how are these three characters that I'm going to not name um, trying to deal with or even face up to the fact that they are traumatized. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And it it literally, up until the last few pages, has nothing to do with the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. There is no whodunit. There is no we're ha- having an investigation mm-hmm. there is no any of that mm-hmm. and it's much better as a result hmm. interesting interesting uh,
0: I worry that it might be too little too late but I mean that's either I, I'm here nor there I,
1: I will say this right now mm-hmm. it's not if you've jumped off the book don't jump on back onto this issue right okay like it's it's not worth it for want of a better way of well so I mean, like, yes no and I think that's it right Get you back to the main plot, right? You know, right. Um, but I was I was genuinely surprised by how much I liked the third issue, mm-hmm. and and my first thought was, oh, this is what I wanted the book to be all along.
0: Right, right. In fact, the way that you're talking about it, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, because I remember a lot of things I didn't like about the first issue, and I get it. It's super super in media res, and it makes sense that you can't start the first issue with the setup. I mean, I guess you can, of course. Uh uh but but it you know, but I understand the choices that were being made in that sense, but it is sort of like, oh yeah, it sounds good. It I know what I wanted as well, and I can also see but I'm also aware for whatever reason after that first issue, I was like, you know what? I'll check out the collection on Hoopla. There is absolutely nothing in here that I need to kind of read in real time. And I suspect if there's anything that's quote unquote redeemable about it at all, it'll be something that I can, you know, that I can appreciate in the, um, in the trade, you know, I don't, I don't need to
1: have. And also, uh, you're, you're coming at the trade. You'll be coming to it with the benefit of other people's hindsight. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there really is a different experience of approaching a work after other people have read it and been like, that just didn't come together. Oh yeah, or, 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 what, or make a case for that it did come for, together for why it does yeah. exactly. No, I mean, um, yeah, I think I think it was a couple of weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw the the Freddie Mercury movie. Oh my god! Oh my god! We saw that yesterday, Graham. Oh my god! Okay. But, like, I enjoyed it because I'd been told by so many people, it's shit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so I went in with really reduced expectations. Mm -hmm. And every one of their criticisms is valid. Oh, yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Because it's not an especially good movie. Oh, it's... But because I went in basically going, as long as this movie just gives me some good Queen songs, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. i came out of it going i got some good queen songs well you know honestly that that guy who played brian may was okay yeah
0: yeah that's right absolutely looked dead on like him the
1: the for me
0: i think because edie and i saw that yesterday morning i actually saw three movies yesterday and i'd love to talk to about at least two of them i know i was shocked uh um and Bohemian Rhapsody was one of them it was the first one we saw in the morning and we walked out and it was just like it it was it's that classic like to me it was like such the so bad it's good or a, as we went online and tried to hunt up reviews there was the, the reviewer for the Washington Post I thought was dead on where she was like it's that most improbable of unicorns a truly terrible movie that is um you know genuinely entertaining and it is whether it was the horrific script at parts or the amazing uh performance uh by Rami Malek is that right yeah yeah as as Freddie Mercury or just some of the dumb in jokes or really ultimately the fucking Queen's music is is great and so there was just that thing of like the parts that were that felt like an honest to God dramatic recreation of spinal tap scenes like Edie and I
1: I saw someone somewhere was like it's walked all but done seriously
0: yes and honestly you know what that actually was one of those uh, that was one the Washington Post reviewer referred to it that way too it It is. It really was. I was like, stuff was so bad. We were... Edie and I were all but like wiping tears from our eyes. But then the music would come on and it would be great or there would just be something... There would just be enough of a little thing. But man, that movie is atrocious, but entertaining. Like, it really was. Mm-hmm. Like, I was kind of hoping we could talk about it so that I could be really perverse and say, like, well, you know, it didn't cover the Flash Gordon soundtrack at all, so it's ultimately invalid. <laughs> like, it rated really Watch I, Out. I was like, I, oh, Wait God, a I, saw,
1: I saw someone uh, on Twitter today, I think, uh, complain. They were like, I, how dare the movie pretend that uh, Freddie Mercury wrote Who Wants to Live Forever? about having AIDS when he clearly wrote it it was written by Brian May yes. for the Highlander soundtrack yeah. and I would be like dude like the film was a piece of trash just except the film was a <laughs> piece of trash
0: that movie was like it was great we walked out and Edie was like I don't think any of those scenes happened like, she was like, that entire movie was I completely fraudulent. Existed. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Those people existed with those names, and that's about as close as you can get every other thing. And it was, she said, you know, we came home, first thing we did is she fired up the the Live Aid performance on YouTube, which is great to see after seeing that movie. Um, Because Edie and I both kind of had, like, thought that the movie did an amazing job with it but at the same time we were like you know kind of walked out and was like we both thought that the original performance was more powerful and we're not even like crazy queen fans um but we were both like yeah i remember we had that weird thing of like both of us remembered exactly where we were when live aid was on me too Really? Okay, it's really weird because people are like, where were you when the shuttle exploded? Where were you when John Lennon was shot? Where were you when, you know, whatever. And I never remember any of that shit. Ever, 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 ever. And for whatever reason, I totally can completely tell you with almost terrifying specificity where I was during Live Aid. And I'm shocked that you can't too because you were not... Well, I guess I, you were I, a teen, I was in my family home.
1: Yeah,
0: right. So, you know it was summer and both Edie and i were talking about being back from college and where we were anyway so we go back we watch the footage footage is is fabulous you you know the original footage is in its way almost even better in some ways um because of various things i won't bore you with but then she sort of fell down the the hole of like oh what's real what really happened what is this and that and she's like yeah the movie was totally made up and she said you know but She's like, it did the trick. She's like, on the one hand, you know, both of us have had Queen music songs stuck in our head, um, for the last 36 hours. I mean,
1: oh yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, I I as well was like, oh, I've got this Queen song in my head. Oh, I've got this Queen, yeah, right. So, yeah. but you, I mean, you and you yeah,
0: both. exactly, enjoyable, but garbage. Like that movie is just kind of like. The part, the the, it, and that's the fascinating thing about it. Like again, the parts where people so clearly put so much effort and so much love and so much attention to detail, and then the parts where, like people did either didn't try at all or it was so heavily compromised. But I mean, that movie is an amazing achievement, and I mean I, that in I a far meaner the ways than you said. Oh my God. That would be like which one? The one all the
1: way back with Sasha Baron Cohen before it got no, changed
0: and he walked off, or
1: the one where it's apparently Freddie dies halfway through the film, oh, and the yeah. rest of the film is what the rest of the members of Queen do after that. I love that story, and I've never
0: been able. I still haven't told Edie because Edie walked out being like, "Oh yeah, you know." Again, I was like, "Oh, just wait," you know. Cause there is a little bit like, I don't necessarily know what I think about the other members of queen, but like that particular story does not make them sound
1: great. I gotta tell you. I so. would, I would love that version of the film when you were, it's like, okay, literally the only member of the band that everyone paid, paid attention to is dead. Right. What they you know? In theory, there's a, there is genuinely a film to be done there. Oh, absolutely. And it's called right? Justice league. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding.
0: Cause I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, are you saying the Superman is Freddie Mercury?
0: Well, uh, I mean, in the analogy of like he's dead, what do the rest of them do? Nobody cares about these guys or knows who they are. A little bit, except the sad fact is nobody really. Superman, bless his heart, is no Freddie Mercury in the Justice League. But, but there is the moustache. So I got to tell you, right, which is digitally removed. Did, I you, do see, hope, did like, you see? Did you see the Paramount?
1: Like, oh yeah. Sorry, no. You go. Did you, did you see the Paramount donated money to Movember in memory of Henry Cavill's mustache? That is the best.
0: That is the best. I thought that that was wonderful on every level. Not least of which is you just get the sense that someone's being trolled, and I don't know if it's Henry Cavill. I don't know if. It's oh, I think like it's Warner, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Was, yeah, that's kind of cool. what I think as well. But it is. It, I thought that was phenomenally excellent. And what I was going to say was just simply like, oh, I do hope that Grant Morrison's in a return to multiversity makes a point to make Freddie Mercury uh, Superman uh, at at some point. Like if we can, if we can just make the Justice League like be like the the Justice League, the glam Justice League, I would be I would be beyond happy
1: that would be the Joshua best. Williamson, if you're listening to this episode, you're writing <laughs> the Flash. The Flash isn't going into the multiverse these days. Come on, come on. Just, just, just take a like a one. We brief all needed.
0: Just face it. Just Freddie Mercury drawn in the Superman suit would be the best. Just be the best, Graham. You were. I don't know if you remember, but when Edie and I spent a month in Buenos Aires, one of the things that we did was we went to a Queen tribute band concert. I, not only did
1: I not remember, I don't think you ever told
0: me this. Oh, I can't believe that we did. Although maybe I did. We were there for a month and of course we're catching public transit and so there were all these like signs like Queen and the date and the arena and I'm like, huh? Ah. And they did say in, you know, Spanish like, oh, it's a, it's a tribute band. I don't even remember the phrase because it's been, I think over a decade. But I was like, we got to do this you know because part of me was just like this would be so silly and it was great it was so much fun it was a queen tribute band and um it was it was one of those things where it's like it's not it's not in a bar don't get me wrong not to knock because one of the other things we saw and we did see this i want to say in a bar it was actually a cafe we saw a musical about Shea Govera that was like fucking great in a cafe. It literally had a cast of six people. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> the guy playing Shea wrote, directed and, and, you know, starred in it and was, it was, I, was it a musical i'm sure it was a musical which is the thing that drives me crazy is like i'm like how can that be like and we sat we ended up sitting like right in the front so we could watch this guy like totally sweat into his cargo pants and it was anyway you'd think that that would have been the best theatrical experience we had in buenos aires but no we saw this queen concert that was in a serious fucking theater like not a stadium mind you but there were hundreds and hundreds of people who were there. And what was great were there were points where um, you had various dudes in the audience who stood up dressed like Freddie Mercury and would occasionally get their side of the theater cheering before the main show, which was just... Anyway, it was wonderful. And so the weird thing is, is walking out of Bohemian Rhapsody being like, Edie and I have like i'll be i was going to say we've never owned a queen album among us i had queen's greatest hits thanks to the miracle of the columbia record house but but other than that like nothing right and and i was like are we weirdly like closet queen fans and we don't even know it because we were surprisingly Mm -hmm. proprietary about Mm -hmm. queen and bohemian rhapsody and amazingly enough the people that We were watching it with where we were like, man, these people, I don't even think they got it. You know, and of course, then we say that and we go home and Edie's looking at people who are like, oh, my God, I love this movie. I cried. I saw it like 18 times where she's like, how can you see Bohemian Rhapsody?
1: exactly what is there to see 18 times
0: exactly exactly
1: and i, I... what's really funny you should say the thing about queen's greatest hits i grew up with queen's greatest hits oh did you that was like well that was maybe this is literally just my experience when i was a kid mm-hmm. on family road trips mm. there would be like a certain number of, of cassettes because of right. course it was cassettes, exactly that they were basically agreed upon that everyone in the family could listen to and Queen's wow. Greatest Hits was one of them. Wow. Uh And I honestly don't remember the others, but I can remember another because i listened to, which was not approved by everyone, but my dad was driving, therefore he got to say. And that was Huey Lewis and the News. No. Sports? Whatever. Is that the album that's got Hip To Be Square on it? Yeah, I think so. I think then so.
0: Yes.
1: yes. Oh. I, that, I also I also grew up listening to that, song, that album.
0: Oh, man. Oh, man. That's... That that hurts. I have to say, I remember listening to Sports because uh, I think one of my brothers—I uh, know one of my brothers—I just don't remember which one had the um, had the album, and I was like, I don't. Oh wait, what was what was the song? Hip to be square. Hip to be square. Power of love. Power of love. love. Power yeah. Oh, maybe it's not. This is Sports has the heart of rock and roll.
1: Heart and soul. I want a new drug. If this is it, yeah, no, it, it didn't. It didn't have a uh, new drug on it. Oh my. Four. It's the album four.
0: Oh no, Graham, you listened to another Huey Lewis in the al- oh no. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. It had it had stuck with you. Ooh. Uh, hip to be square. Oh. Oh yeah, it didn't have the power of love apparently. Oh yeah, just the European version of "Power of Love" on it. It's oh, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Plus, sometimes they throw extra tracks on the cassettes. You know, they used to do that too. So, oh, ow, ow, oh, yep. Graham, Graham, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never knew that about you. Anyway, I remember, I remember my, remember my brother having sports and I was so pissed because I was convinced and I knew with beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm like, these motherfuckers, what, 20 years from now when I am 38 or 45 or whatever and I'm walking through a supermarket I'm going to have to hear these motherfuckers because, you know, like they played music in supermarkets. that was already terrible. That was several years old that I was like, this is going to be this is precisely the kind of pap that they are going to play while I'm shopping for margarine. And I'm going to fucking hate my life. And I have to say, I was entirely wrong. I mean, maybe it's different elsewhere, but I am stunned by how often I go into the supermarket and... And it's, like, Elvis Costello or Talking Heads or, like, shit that I actually listen to that kind of creeps me out that my demograph, like, like I'm like, no, you people are
1: lying. Nobody listened to this shit. You know what I mean? Oh, everybody listens to this shit. And, of course, like, I'm in Portland. Do you know what I mean? Like, you go right. into a fucking Fred Myers here and it's like, it's the Decemberists. Yes. But it's right. that B-side off of their second, you know, single. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck? Totally. No, but really, like, yeah. cause, you know, I, I, it, especially in San Francisco, you would go in and it would be, again, it would be like Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You'd be listening to like, The year's model or something. Yes. Totally. Um, totally. But like, but like in the UK, it's, it's whatever's pop at the time.
2: Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, so it would be like, like, you know, stuff.
1: Yeah, mm. very much. Mm-hmm. But it was it was pop. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the, the enemy liked, but wasn't in the top 40. It was mm-hmm. top party music, yeah. And so I remember even coming to San Francisco and, and being like, "This is like, this is weird. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, this is an album track from REM. Yeah. You know, right? And then yeah. you literally you come to Portland and it's like, you know, this isn't the album version of the song. This is the version from their like, you know. Live at the Budokan, which is only ever releases a fan club DVD, right. and blah, 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 and you're like, fuck.
0: Well, see, the part of the problem is, is like, knowing that the Decemberists are like a local band, I'm like, I'm actually genuinely 100% that Fred Meyer didn't like, commission them to record a Christmas tune. You
1: know what <laughs> I mean? Like, that. Yeah, we are only getting into that season now, so I'll, I'll give you an update soon.
0: Please do, please do. Next time you're in a Fred Meyer, hear what's hear what's going on. So, um, what was I going to say? I actually was at some place that was so terrifyingly banal, and in the background they were playing something, and Edie and I were talking about it. I can't remember where we were. It's a shame. But I really had that moment. She was telling me something important. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You know, in my head, the back of my brain's like, are they playing How Soon Is Now? Like, that doesn't seem...
1: Oh, yeah. Fred here plays like the 12 in church and How Soon Is Now on a regular basis.
0: Shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of um yeah like part of me is like on the one hand oh god bless i would still prefer that to hit to b square which i'm still expecting to be played but at the same time it's also kind of not quite right you know what i mean like it's kind of a little bit of the
1: i no. i'm 100 percent behind it because i know that it would upset Marcy.
0: oh yeah well what wouldn't upset morrissey at this point
1: you know what i mean
0: like morrissey
1: i mean fair yeah,
0: I mean, I see your point, but at the same time, I'm like, Pfft, yeah, right. Like, like upsetting Morrissey is. Like, yeah. like that's difficult. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Graham. Uh, comic books. Did we ever talk about the first issue of Green Lantern, by the way? Uh, I don't think we did. I, I think, I think I might have said something about it, but you hadn't read it yet. I think I hadn't, I hadn't read it yet. So, um, I did want to say that I enjoyed it. I was kind of, I was surprised by the tone of it, which is really funny and i was what I wanted to ask you was particularly the first half of the book to me, even though there are various old school d c shout outs in it felt kind of weirdly 2008-ish to, to me or is that just oh me?
1: very very no it's not just oh, you. okay thank god it's very very much yeah um and and, and is intentionally so okay yeah, like i, I told you before that i read them early i read the first two issues early because i was interviewing morrison mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and 2008 and heavy metal are two of like the big influences that both uh sharp and morrison are, are sharing mm-hmm. for this book mm-hmm.
0: okay great 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 great. Okay, fabulous. Thank you.
1: But no, the whole the whole thing with them um, Fuzl mm-hmm. and 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 like even you know, aren't there aliens like taking bets on who's going to win? Yes, exactly. But Like mm-hmm. all of that is super 1980s to 2000s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm.
0: Yeah. Okay, great, great, great. Yeah. Just there were there was a lot of like yeah.
1: Okay, thank God. But anyway,
0: I just wanted to point out and be like, okay, A, I wasn't alone in that. And B, I I was like Unexpected and also a very enjoyable influence. I want to say that I really enjoyed Avengers 700 to move back to like I'm reading Marvel books and enjoying it. And I don't know if you read that issue or not. Um, I issue 10 slash 700. I have
1: I have jumped off that title so hard. Oh, I'm sure.
0: I'm I'm sure. Like every time I talk to you about it, you're just like nope. And. I have a sneaking suspicion. I'm like, oh, crap you gotta give it a try. I think you would read this whole issue and be like, nope, but I like it. It's a, it's a weird mix of shit. Again, it's a book that I assumed McGinnis was going to be gone much sooner. Like, you know, <laughs> as is the way with McGinnis by issue two, but he's, He's still on it. The book still got a visual consistency to it.
1: I mean, t- to be fair, he
0: was gone by issue three. But then came back. Like he's he comes and goes. Like yeah,
1: I, I know, know that. I, I, but like, but you know, it's. I think he's going to be like um, when he was on Hulk with Loeb, mm-hmm. where like literally he's quote unquote on the book for twenty issues, but he draws five of them. <laughs>
0: I feel like I feel like on the one hand you're right on the other hand it's a slightly better number right now than that but I'm sure it will drop dramatically sort of the same way that when he was doing um uh, Spider-Man Deadpool it was like oh he's starting out strong hey wow it's a whole arc of his whoa and then suddenly it was like wait what's happening like it's like spotty TV reception. Aaron, admittedly, I don't really... I don't follow a lot of Marvel titles, as you know. Uh, c- current Marvel titles. And I've not been paying attention to... Um, I think what Aaron, Jason Aaron's been doing in most of the Marvel books. But I, I like what he's doing here. He's kind of doing a weird mix of... I mean, it's... Part of me was like, re, particularly in issue 700, I'm like, oh, he's, he's, he's... He's Engleharting it, but that's not entirely true because Englehart has character stuff as well as um, continuity suturing, I guess. Aaron feels like he's doing a lot of continuity cross-stitching, uh, which is really fun. And there's a way in which I also feel like his inf- one of his influences on the book is definitely Morrison's JLA. Uh, but I just I like it. It works. It works for me. It's not. It's it's a very superficial book, and that's why it's very hard for me to be like, oh yeah, Graham, you should like it because I can see I absolutely. If there, if all it really takes is one thing to really kind of annoy you, and I can see you just being like, there's nothing here to really. Keep me, <laughs> uh,
1: I I do know about the the Wolverine. Yes. Thing at the end, yeah. Which I just find hilarious. Yeah. I think uh, it I honestly think so almost it. got me to pick it up. Yep. Because it's so funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but uh, if I had not had like if I'd not read like the first six or seven issues or however long that first arc was, I might have picked it up, but the that those issues were just bad. Uh, like they were just uh, dull. Uh, it was what little story there was. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh took far too long and, yeah, and entertaining yeah. enough for me yeah so I it's it. even like you know this is a terrible comic it's literally a this comic does nothing for me because i don't have the love for these characters that i need in order to right. in order to sustain me as, as thinking this comic is worthwhile right you right. know it's yeah. it's literally not a this is a bad comic it's uh this comic is not for me Uh, That could be. I mean, there's
0: also a weird... Because I'm not sure the comic is for me either. But I I have to say there is a little bit of... For whatever reason, I was very forgiving of it in a way that I really probably shouldn't. Because I know what you mean. That first arc was three issues blown out into six. And it really felt like it. And in fact, part of me is kind of like... Really hard pressed to remember what happened in issues seven and eight. I can sort of vaguely remember nine, in part because it's continued in, in issue ten, but I'm like, what is happening with what? Um, but yeah, I like it. Uh, I still haven't read um, the first issue of Spider Gwen Ghost Spider, but I have to admit, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm god help me i was uh very happy to see that um the unbearable wasp is back or whatever her adjective is uh, <laughs> uh
1: it's not oh shit what is it yeah what is it it's it's not unbeatable excess squirrel girl unstoppable wasp unstoppable wasp
0: right like, I'm very excited that, that, that that's back, you know, so, you yeah, we'll see. That I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm probably wrong, but, you know, or will soon be proven wrong. And admittedly, the fact that I, like, I'm excited about four Marvel books, considering they're literally publishing, like, 78 titles uh, is, is probably maybe not the best um, way to extrapolate forward and be like, their creative output stronger than ever, Graham. But you know, so I have no idea.
1: But there's a way in which yeah, you could like, hmm. you you could justifiably say to you their creative output stronger than it's been in the last year. hmm Right,
0: and that's it. In the last year, I'm like, I feel like they're on solid footing. I even feel like uh, DC's on pretty solid footing. I don't know how they're selling, but like when I was in Japan, I missed um, there there were the books that I was subscribed to that, of course. Mm-hmm. Comixology totally pulled for me And I got to download and read But there were the books that I had been buying On an issue by issue basis And I came back And I was like ah, Yeah I'm not I I don't I don't, I really don't need to read Bendis' Superman or Action I don't I, Particularly because I thought Action I actually was enjoying But Superman I think Has been really poorly paced and then I don't know. I did something and uh, downloaded issues four and five of Superman uh, today. Purchased and downloaded, and had gotten the the Sex Times issue of of Action, or the a- All Action issue of Action. I read Willow G. Wilson's first issue of Wonder Woman, or, and and I should actually um, wait, wait, wait,
1: We were literally just talking about Superman. Yes. And you're, okay. So I, I I'm like Jeff.
2: Have I missed, have I yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yes, no, I'm 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 employing Bendit Brian bendis style uh plotting and pacing in my in my discussion of Superman. I'm suddenly jumping ahead. Uh all of which is to say, I downloaded those issues. I enjoyed those issues, even the Superman stuff, which I still think is really has to to put it kindly and call it pacing problems, is is being generous. But between it and Willow G. Wilson's first issue of Wonder Woman and Batman. I'm kind of like, I'm regularly, I'm now, I'm back on the the DC Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also reading Green Lantern, you know, it's... You're, are you on Justice League? I, I was, and then that is one of those books. Actually, you know, what's weird is I was subscribed to that, so... Do I just have a couple of issues I haven't read? Because I know I haven't read like at least two or three issues. There, there was one point where I'm.
1: It's like two or three issues into an Aquaman crossover now, so. Oh. There, okay. It's like you might be really behind.
0: Yeah, I probably am. But I have to say, I think I was subscribed or may still be subscribed to Justice League, but at a certain point, I uh, around the closing of the second or third arc. It must have just been the second arc. I was like. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Like, there's something that's, like, again, we talked about the be careful what you wish for kind of factor, but I think there's just a little too much, Um, like, I just, I just feel like Scott Snyder is on rails. Like, even if I don't necessarily know wh- where he's going, I know exactly how he's getting there, almost to the page turn. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like every issue, I'm like, no, 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 there's something about like metal, which of course started off as like, oh my god, I'm so excited. Him doing Justice League would be a great choice, and like, oh, he's doing Justice League. Um, Snyder's whole like, uh, like I've got to pull the carpet out from under you twice every issue is was just getting a little, like I just felt like I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. I was actively mm-hmm. annoyed with Justice League, and so I kind of kind of jumped off.
1: Whereas for me, I this, what's funny is when you were talking about Avengers, I was like, I think that's my Justice League.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what I mean? Where like if you have an affection for the concept and the characters, mm-hmm. it pulls you through. Like honestly, I think the difference between you and me and Avengers is genuinely you like Ghost Rider, and I don't. Oh yeah. That's a huge, huge. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, if you don't like Ghost Rider, yeah. Avengers is an infinitely more annoying book. But if you like Ghost Rider, it's probably great mm-hmm. because Aaron is just it's it's Ghost Rider and the Avengers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think in many ways Snyder is. It's not as if he's doing Batman and the just, Justice League because he's not. Mm-hmm. Although, eh, but um, <laughs> but it is a very much a like if you like the characters you're much more likely to go, I'm not sure if this is working, but I am sticking with it. I will say that I you may or may not remember that for me metal read infinitely better when Red a no wonder. Right. Um and so does Justice League. If you wait until the end of the, the arc and then reread it or at least if I wait until the end of the arc and then reread it mm. and it was infinitely better. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that did not make sense for me on first read-through made sense. And not only made sense, read well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, And know... so I've, I've discovered, like, I'm doing that on, on Justice League. Like, I haven't read the Aquaman crossover because I'm waiting for the arc to be finished and then I'll read it and I'll wonder. Right, which probably makes sense, yeah.
0: No, for me, it was like, you know that issue of Justice League where it was like half of the issue was uh, everyone talking about their rooms? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was the point where I was looking You're like, I don't need this. I really was like, No. Like it was kinda like I'm like, this is just right on the threshold of self parody for me. I can't handle it. Which is weird because there's part of me that's normally digs the um kind that kind of method acting approach, you know, slash like you know how you talked about how you never really got into Earth X? Like, Mm -hmm. you keep trying and you just can't. I almost feel like Scott Snyder might be a good prep for you to try and re-enter the, um, that
1: book, because... It's on my to-dos, Jeff.
0: Well, I'm just saying, and it may not work for you again, but, like, that sort of almost, um, like, dramatic lack of subtlety or nuance, um... Uh, that, that I could see being very off-putting. I sort of feel like, oh yeah, but you've got, you kind of got S- Scott Snyder doing this for a while now, and it might be a little easier for you to acclimate. But they they remind me of each other a lot in that way, of there is a little bit of the, you know, and that's why she's a Wonder Woman, because she's always wondering, you know, or whatever. You ends up, like, you're just like, Drew. You know,
1: it's kind of. <laughs> no, it, thank you. I I am going to interrupt you for a second. And say, sure. just you mentioned Wonder Woman, reminded me. Justice League Dark is still an infinitely better comic than it should be. Mmm. Yeah, you've said it's that far better than it should be.
0: I got to tell you, this is the thing I feel cause that's is that Steve Orlando?
1: No, it's uh James Sidon, Oh, okay. I should check it out then. I should check it out
0: because I wanted to ask you about the first issue of Electric Warriors which I'm pretty sure that you've read.
1: And... and loved, but I had the really weird thing of digitally, I literally couldn't read it. And I got a print issue and I loved it. But uh-huh. it was like it was two different comics.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Tell me about that. Because that, that would be interesting. You,
1: can, you, can you nail down why or how? Or... I actually think it can. And I think it's the visual of the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing of the comic is intentionally obtuse. Mm-hmm. Uh. And the art is by Travel Foreman, Mm -hmm. and both the art and the lettering is very much of a, we are going psychedelic colors. right? And as strange as it sounds, on a screen, I honestly found it almost unreadable.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, I had real problems following it. I had real problems deciphering it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Specifically the lettering, Mm -hmm. but foreman is is given to being abstract in his his panels
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and is given work that is particularly abstract i mean one of the plot turns in the first issue is there is a brother of the protagonist mm-hmm. who looks like the protagonist it mm-hmm. isn't an identical twin of the protagonist but they keep getting mistaken for each other anyway mm-hmm. and when you have foreman who is a fairly, like, a fairly stylized artist mm-hmm. and is working in a fairly stylized uh, abstract storytelling style in addition to his line work. hmm And then you have, like, these psychedelic colors on top of it. Right. You get to a point where you're like, I, I honestly can't tell what's on this page. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason it worked in print better. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if it is a scale. Mm-hmm the print page was larger than the computer screen I was reading on. Mm-hmm. This sounds dumb, but in a print copy I can control the lighting. Mm. in a way that I can't on a screen. Because it's back. Right. Uh, but no I literally I literally I could not read it in, in digital and I, I I loved it in print. Um one of the reasons I loved it mm-hmm. is the mythology it is playing with as mm-hmm. much as what is actually in the comic. Well, right. Mm-hmm. Because you you know what the concept of the series is, right? Uh, probably not. I mean, it's it sort is, of yeah. it's the bridge between Commandy and Legion. Okay, right. It takes place in a time period actually far closer to Commandy. Yes. Um, but it is. Essentially, humanity has come to a level where it is, shall we say, on a rough level yeah. with the animal kingdom again.
0: Yes. um,
1: But it is also enduring what is essentially first contact with a number of alien races that are mainstays in the Legion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and that they are the, – the alien community has created essentially like a, a, a contest of champions. Mm-hmm where each world has to put forward one champion mm-hmm. to, to take part in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Earth gets two mm-hmm. because it gets an animal champion and a human champion. Mm-hmm. And so it's about, like, who who are these and how do they come together with these aliens and yada, yada, yada. And there's, a like, a last page shocking reveal, which could be good, but could also be gratuitous depending on what they do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this... This is the thing. Is this okay? Well, good. It, I'm glad that you weren't like, oh, and I love that last page reveal because I, I. Had so you re- you read? It. I, I did. I did. No, I picked it up because a little bit of it seemed to have a bit of Twitter heat. I I like the idea of sort of revisiting the Electric Warriors concept, and either you and I had talked about it, or you specifically mentioned again the command you to Legion link.
1: And I was like I, I was I was talking about it on Twitter saying yeah like I was really surprised by that first issue.
0: Yeah, and so I was like, okay, I'll give this first issue a try and um I actually enjoyed it on, on the screen as a screen experience. Um in, in the fact that the art and the colors, um I like the colors by uh, is it Lo Fi or Hi Fi or Hi Fi, yeah. Uh uh a lot. I really have this thing of like Steve Orlando is not my jam and he should be because he's kind of in theory like literally if you if you had me make a checklist of what I wanted in uh, a new DC writer and I mean he's been writing for DC for quite some time since midnight or if not earlier but I'm like i sh I should like him I should i mean there's just there's even little bits and pieces his little his playing with a post d c u um continuity, you know great disaster, but also playing with various d c icons in different ways like the that the happy finn sushi, for example. You know, mm-hmm. made out of Joker fish. Like little bits and pe I like those things I like those things. But at some core there's just like I sat there being like finished up the issue and I'm like, why don't I like this? And I always feel like Orlando like I, I
1: feel a... I feel this is not the first time we've had this conversation about it. It really
0: our... isn't. It's not because I got like three issues into the unknown, I think. Is that is that right? Or is it yeah, yeah. the unknown, which oh, yeah. the unexpected. The unexpected. Thank you. Three issues into the unexpected. Great art again ties to a a you know Ties to previous DC continuity that I like in that case, really strong ties to multiversity and playing with Morrison, Morrison's concepts, um, just stuff where I'm like, okay, on you know, haha, on paper this this should all be great, but in actual fact, on at least digitally, apparently, I'm just like, I don't dig it. Like I feel like Orlando's got e- either like a really bad grasp of the fundamentals or he I just he and I are dramatically out of sync and therefore everything that he's doing, any of his zigs are precisely when I am like, I need a zag here, you know? Like like I'm I really am. As a dude who is exasperated with the amount of shonen manga that I've had you know that i can not seem to escape from it seems to me and again the idea of doing a this this is like first issue of electric warriors is a shonen manga slam dunk i mean that's literally all it is futuristic contest where characters are going to be punching one another and you literally have the um the reveal of it's not actually the you know the brother, it's actually the rebellious kid who doesn't deserve it, you know, kind of angle. Like, all of that should absolutely um, work. Like, I'm like, this book should be a slam dunk. But, like, at the same time, afterwards, I spent a lot of time being like, is it that Orlando spends all of the time that is spent, that should be spent on nailing down what the stakes are for the story are instead spent with continuity bibble or is it just that the pages are lovely but they don't pack enough information into them like there's just like like by the time that i i mean by the time that you get to the end of this first chapter i'm like I don't know what's at stake. I don't. I mean, I sort of. I do know the characters kind of basically, but one of them's just a stereotype, and the other one's more or less kind of a mystery, kind of. And I'm just. I don't know. I was really underwhelmed. Um. I, clearly. So I appreciate you letting me just blather on for for such a length of period, but I don't. I don't get it. I have this horrible frustration with myself i remember i was talking about this a few years back and i don't remember who it was that you were reading that you kept being like i think i'm doing it wrong you know like i can't oh is
1: that not hickman
0: maybe it was hickman i don't know i mean because of course
1: I Maybe, mean, there, to be fair, I, there's, been, yeah. there's been a bunch like right. uh, Donny Cates. I don't get either. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually had the got a couple of emails from people who were like, "Yeah, you should check out God Country." Like people who, who really had read Cates before he came to Marvel, and were like, "No, I
1: like I read God God Country." That there was, you go. That was one, well, that was one of the books in, uh, for the Eisners. That said, like mm, of there were also everything. you know mm-hmm. 150 million other books, mm-hmm. but you know, I remember God Country, and I liked God Country to an extent. Right. But you know, Kate's... and it, my problem with Kate's is honestly not that I think his work is bad, it's that I don't understand why people are losing their shit over it. Mhm. Right. You're uh, like it's, it's like, okay, it's, but it's exactly, not Exactly, like... it's like a lot of of like the new wave of Marvel writers. Mhm. You know, like the the uncanny X-Men relaunch. Mhm. I I don't get why people are excited about it.
2: Mhm.
1: Because it's a fine X-Men comic if you've, A, never read an X-Men comic before, or B, only read the X-Men in the 90s. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just like, why, why are people into this? Mm-hmm. I don't get it. And, and Cates is very much that for me. It's like, sure, his Thanos is fine, mm-hmm. but why are people like he's the second coming? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand. I just legitimately don't understand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I th- like we we've talked about Orlando before in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about his Justice League of America run. Mm-hmm. That I was like, it's great. It's like very much in the in you know in it following the the lessons of Morrison. Mm-hmm. And you were like, eh, right. Yeah, very consistently, eh, like, I think I like- I I like me with gates. Mm -hmm. You're not saying it's bad. Mm -hmm. You're literally just being like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah,
0: I don't understand or ultimately there's a little bit of the, like, everyone else can't be crazy so therefore I'm crazy. and so that really is, particularly with Orlando, who I feel is people that like you that I really respect, who seem to really appreciate his work a lot. I'm just like, I mean, I'm really able to be like, no, no, this is actively not good. So I don't know. I'm, I, don't know I don't know, Graham. Anyway, so yes, I wanted to mention it because, on the other hand, it looked lovely, and it was one of those books where I'm like, I will probably give it another try. Honestly, I can see myself picking up the second issue if well, I'm paying it ha- attention. Well, it has when it comes
1: one of out. The, it has one of those problems where actually, like *Heroes in Crisis*, you get to the, end of the first issue and you're like, "Okay, so the story starts in this issue."
0: Well, see, and that's it. That again, that's a little bit of my problem. Is kind of like, yes, you get to this point, but again, I'm like, there's the the stakes are just too amorphous. And already there's something that's kind of that whole like, oh, but they get two champions. I'm like, really? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Right but I, see, the bat, I, I like... don't mind.
1: The, this, the reveal I have the problem with is actually not the, the, the brother reveal at all. Mm-hmm. It's the guess who's behind everything reveal on the very last page. Oh, no,
0: no, no. That I have a problem with. The Which is one, just I didn't like necessarily bother, but but yeah, no. The, that other one was like, what? What is
1: that? Exactly. Yeah. That that was me. That was me. I was like, this literally comes out of nowhere. Yep. And maybe in the second issue you'll make it make sense. Right. But as is, it literally comes out of nowhere. Also,
0: I don't know how to describe it, but there's there's something that is a little bit of uh, cause cause it leads to. The shadowy reveal where it's like the person stepping forward and and I remember thinking like oh shit who's this going to be like because I'm like it's not like Superman emerged from the sun is it or you know what I mean like I was kind of like and then when it's the actual who it is I'm like Wow, those that dramatically lowers the stakes. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was
1: just kind of like eh. I not not even in the sense of like it lowers the stakes, but in the sense of like that's not been set up anywhere else in this issue. What? Like Superman would have been set up.
0: Right, repeatedly. And I'm sure that that's the thing is is like, you know, Orlando would be like, "No, you dunderheads, I was leading to that and that's why this is the surprise twist and then that's going to keep you a, you know, like I've got you uh, off balance and the next issue you're going to find out why that's the most crazy amazing thing because you know I don't know Firestorm's like literally the only thing holding the universe together or what you know whatever wherever he's going to go with it but I just had that thing of like eh, oh shit here I was going to such great lengths to kind of keep that keep the identity secret, and now I'm like. And then then you literally just give it away. I got I got tired, Graham. One can only be coy for so long before <laughs> I'm like, it's Blue Devil, it's Blue Devil. Yeah,
1: no, like, I, where I thought you were going to go with that is, uh, you know, part of me almost expects the second, the shoot to be like, it's the entire Justice League.
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 Um. But. Uh, yeah, it, like that That was so out of nowhere mm-hmm. that I was like, you know, either you have a second issue where that makes sense or it's pulled out of your ass.
2: Yeah,
0: there's a little bit you know? of the – Right, exactly. And I think that's my problem with Orlando. He just – I haven't read – maybe because I didn't read all of his Midnighter stuff, but I've never read enough stuff to where I trust him. It always feels like – it's someone who's very clever who's pulling things out of his ass, you know. And it, and there's nothing when clever works, it's it it can it it carry it can carry a lot of weight. It goes a long way. Like, you know, it's comics. Comics are supposed to be fun. Clever is good, but there's just times where he's like done stuff, and I'm like, eh, yeah, no, you kind of, you know. Nah. Like, you know, I'll check back in on Steve Orlando in two years or something. But at this point, I'm like, it's, it's not working for me. So, but we'll see. I mean, I'm glad in some ways that you had bits and pieces that didn't work for, for you just merely because I feel like, um, less of a, a creep. But at the same time, I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm I'm glad and surprised that it worked for you, uh, as as well. Oh, as I,
1: I it didn't just work for me. Like I loved it. Yes, right. Which like I, I, think I is wonderful. full on loved it. Yeah. Um, uh, even with that last page where I'm like, huh? right, right. Um, that says a lot.
0: I think that really says a lot about how much you like. And I get it because in a way, it's very, um, yeah. It's 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 got it's got a lot to recommend it.
1: But again, we're getting back to like the if I like Ghost Rider, then I'd love Avengers, right? You know, exactly. Like I like I I I love Mm -hmm. Kirby and I love Legion. Well, see, that's it.
0: I love Kirby too. So there was enough there, but I yeah, but there was also a ton of Legion stuff where I where it clearly went right over my head and didn't matter to me,
2: you know. mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. So, but I mean, I also have a little bit of that, like the um. The dudes from Invasion who show up on the cover, the Dominators, is that who that yeah, yeah. is? Yeah, Like, I feel like, because the Dominators sort of, like, I remember being annoyed when they got, because they kind of got re- retconned into Legion history, right? At, after Invasion? Or am I. Well, I mean, I they were always
1: Legion. They were always Legion of superheroes characters.
0: Oh, were they? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. so they weren't new characters. Okay, then oh, never no, mind. No. I totally, then, I, that's just me being an idiot. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Clearly, someone needs to read a little bit more
1: *Legion of Superheroes*, Graham. And We'll take care of that, Jeff. Jeff, I I want to instead of like suspiciously hinting that we're doing that after Baxter Building, we're not, everyone. Um, <laughs> I, it would like, be great if we were, but we're,
0: or rather, we're not doing
1: it immediately after Baxter Building. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, yeah. but I don't want to like cruelly raise everyone's hopes. No, I, realized, like, I said, mm, we'll take <laughs> care of that. I was like, I shouldn't have said that. I want to know what the other movies you saw.
0: Oh yes, um, this is going to be hard because the part of the problem, uh, the uh, <laughs> the dumb one that we saw when I was like, let's be brain dead and watch something dumb, was... wasn't
1: Bohemian Rhapsody.
0: <laughs> no, that's the terrifying part. Is is yeah no we we started with Bohemian Rhapsody, then I watched The Night Comes for Us, which I have a. Tr- terrible time remembering the title of um and in fact the part that you might be able to relate to Graham, is when i was in japan people started talking about the night comes for us and we're like holy shit this movie and i looked at it and it is a movie that is made featuring some of the dudes from the raid and the raid redemption as it's known in the states and the raid 2 and I was like, oh, fuck, I gotta, and people were like, this is, this movie's insane. It's crazy and great and just like. Oh wait, you saw this at the theater? Jaw dropping. No, no, no. Came out on Netflix I was gonna say it's in a Japan. Netflix movie, right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I was like, oh, I've got to see this. The problem is the name, which sounds so much like a 1948 Humphrey Bogart film that I can never keep it straight in my head. It was like, I got home. I'm like, fuck, what's it called? And, I, I, while I was in Japan, I, I, was I in Japan? Anyway, I even
2: <laughs> added it in
0: Japan. to my list of movies to watch, right? So I log on to Netflix, um, I, I just turn on TV, go to Netflix, and Graham, I tell you, it's a movie that Netflix, it's on my list of movies to watch, and it's a movie that Netflix assures me is a 98% match for me and i had to go through screen after screen after screen in fact one of the things that's hilarious is at one point it kept showing me the raid redemption saying like based on your interest in the night comes for us and i'm like great where's the night comes for us on your nine million tiles like i'm scrolling through like your list it's not in there trending now not in there Netflix originals not in there. I'm like, please don't make me spell out the THE space N I G H T space on my fucking Roku remote to find this fucking movie. And of
1: course I did. I was gonna say, of course you have to. Of Netflix have. does not offer you things you want to see. It offers you things that it are like you might not mind seeing.
0: The thing that's crazy for me is it's like I, like everyone else, was super annoyed with the like I I actually like a lot of Netflix's original content but I'm stunned by how much like their algorithms are like like in, inversely proportional to how much you want to see something like I'm just stunned by how much shit that was in my wheelhouse that it like when Netflix had like four original things it was just like Okay, okay, I get it. You have Orange is the New Black.
1: Fine. Exactly. House of Cards. Sure. Right. House
0: of Cards exactly. You know, like I get it, but now that Netflix has so much material that's a, that's quote unquote theirs, like I'm like, dudes, that's when you have to do some work to actually sort it, or even let me know about it, like, the number of people I've seen on Twitter who are like, wait, the Coen Brothers latest movie is on Netflix? Like, when did that happen? Like, people who literally were like, where's the promotion for this stuff? You know, and, and again, I can only guess what's going on in our little data file partitions, because I knew it was it, it like, rubbed my nose in it, but I was like, like, I use Netflix to watch, like, TV for the most part and whenever I watch movies it's basically movies where people are either kicking each other in the head or it's like 70s horror films why do I have to go out of my way to hunt down the haunting of Hill House and the night comes for us when those are pretty much the two things I want to see enough that I will care to hunt them down like what happened anyway that's beside the point Graham I have to say I know you're like well Jeff the night comes for us. That sounds like a Graham McMillaney type movie, isn't it, and, and
1: <laughs> Yeah, it sounds one hundred percent like something I I'm rushing to watch right now. Yes, you
0: absolutely should, Graham. It is. Cl- it is not. It is not for you yet. Please don't watch that. Because I mean, it's it's really uh, great. Like it is. It is so over-the-top violent. It is astounding. And it takes about 20 or 30 minutes to get going. Like, it's got a long burn. Which is interesting because it is a um, very dramatically thin premise. Like, it's basically the premise uh, that every... like, Like, if there are five action movie plots, it's like plot number four. Like, guy who basically is a hitman for like bad guys, has a change of heart and decides to protect an innocent. Right? Like it's like mm-hmm.
1: Sure. We we know the story. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You don't need to spend twenty minutes setting that up. But for some reason they do and it's like, oh that's not gonna work out. But then once they start with the series of escalating bloodbath action sequences it's it's a stunner. And for people... I mean, I'm sure that people listening to this again... Like, there's going to be the people... I suspect the two people listening to this are the people who have already seen it and loved it. And the people who will never watch it and would never like it. But if somehow you're in the middle, if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I really enjoyed the raid, I really enjoyed uh, the raid 2 and was very bummed that he didn't get a chance to see the raid 3, like... The Night Comes for Us is basically Tom Scioli's GoBots number one to his Transformers <laughs> versus G.I. Joe <laughs> to The Raid and The Raid 2. So you,
1: so wait, before we I ask you about the Nance film, I have to ask, you clearly read Tom Go GoBots.
0: Yes, yes, I did. And holy shit. Because I went into it being like, ah, oh, I wonder, like, my first two pages was like, I'm not really sure that this is going to work for me not, like, like kind of, like, if I don't have some sort of, because I really don't know the GoBots from Adam. Like, Does like, anyone? Well, yeah, right, exactly, and that's kind of the genius of it. Like, it's very much, like, you start reading it, and I'm like... Yeah, I can see where, like, Scioli's sort of deep-dive subversion thing, maybe you really gotta have a strong basis in the characters. By the end of the issue, I'm like, oh, holy shit, like, this is just the... This is just... This is the most insane, like... Like, I get to do a Transformers comic, but, like, but like with no rules whatsoever, and I'm going to fuck everything up, was really... Stunning. It
1: was pretty exciting. I, I've I've got to tell you, I read the second issue and Jeff it gets crazier. Oh Jesus Christ! I I'm it, not it, surprised. It really also... genuinely does. Holy it's God! Absolutely nuts. And the idea that it's five issues long. <laughs> Given the jump in crazy between the first and second issue, oh my god I'm like if he keeps doing this, right. it will be unrecognizable as anything by, the, by the issue. I totally believe it, I totally believe it yeah,
0: it's kind of great, isn't it yeah, yeah, it really was astounding, anyway, so imagine kind of a an action movie version of that a little bit
1: you're kind of weirdly selling that to me though
0: yeah and i don't know how to describe it graham like i i think yeah we'll see i think it's i think you i feel like you appreciate that stuff better on the comics page but i mean also because i just don't think your idea of a fun time is watching two guys with machetes like fight with machetes and more or less there is there is there is over-the-top violence that hopefully at a certain point gets so cartoony that for most people it is palatable slash survivable but um but yeah graham i just i mean like part of me is like yes you're like no no it don't no i mean part of me is like part of me is like oh man because i do like if you saw that and you enjoyed it that would be the best thing in the world i just can't see that i can see there there's at least like seven let's say nine different moments where at least where you'd be like nope like a hard nope from graham mcmillan like so but oh my god man oh my god um yeah people if you really anyway I, I think I described it perfectly and managed to sneak in my review of GoBots issue number one. Before I talk about the last movie, which will be a huge disappointment, let me talk about something that I have to say surprised and charmed the shit out of me, um, which is Outer Darkma- Darkness issue one by John Layman and Afu Chan. Uh,
1: I don't Tell me about this. Yeah. Because I got this quasi-pitch to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't read it, but the pitch also didn't explain what the comic was.
0: Right. So the pitch, which I get, is, a, is what if you took, a, uh, how do I put it? There, there is, for lack of a better term, like the dudes on a spaceship genre. You know, spaceship crew hmm. movies or TV shows like uh, Star Galactica or Babylon 5 or Star Trek. Uh, and uh, this is actually on uh, Lehman's little text page where he's like, Outer darkness is the distillation of what I love the most, science fiction, horror, and weird shit. I'm a big fan of dramas set on spaceships and space crews on a continuing mission, be it Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, The Expanse, Space 1999, Lost in Space, what have you. But I'm an even bigger fan of outer space sci-fi horror, a genre of which I don't have a hell of a lot of good examples, like Event Horizon, Alien. He's like, I'm sure there are other examples, but not a lot of good ones. So this is star
2: trek
0: if star trek was set in a universe where space travel was by and large only possible through occult means
1: so uh so i mean there's there's a lot in that idea
0: yeah and one of the things that i lo- why i ended up really loving it is a couple of different factors is i think that um layman does a good job with creating his i i think he does a good job like building his universe while creating like he's got his 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 two main characters and other members of the crew are more or less uh announced toward toward the end of the book um mm-hmm. but I feel like there was this like kind of unlike electric warriors, by the time I get to the end of it, it's like here's the goal, here's the world, and also the world seems both like oh i I get what's going on, and yet there's also room for surprises and uh as opposed to electric warriors like well it's probably all going to be surprises because i'm really not even necessarily sure that i get what what's going on the thing that also really helps sell me on it is afu chans takes his work his character designs end up pulling surprisingly strongly like to the point like like they start off as kind of a oh okay this is kind of a starts looking like kind of a sci-fi version of what I think of as almost a modern detailed webcomic style and then the character designs he starts taking character designs that are right from the Osamu Tezuka playbook and then when you mix in some of the coloring that like, I don't know how to describe it, but just kind of imagine someone mixing Tezuka, the Filmation Star Trek animated series, and, like, a healthy amount of hallucinogenics. Um, And, well, the hallucinogenics (laughs) oversell it in the visuals, but, like, in terms of, like, we're going to do a whole, like, outer space story in which everything is driven by the occult it's it really had me hooked i was like i really i enjoyed it i thought it was in, i i feel like layman's a dude who his stuff somehow seems like a little half baked in a way that's kind of the that's half the charm for people is sort of the way that he riffs on his own ideas almost and outer darkness mm-hmm. for me felt like it seemed a little better nailed down. Like he had another series that's out. Um, had One fun-
1: with a, like a giant Kaiju monster. thing. Exactly.
0: The, his giant Kaiju monster thing. And I read the first issue of that and I was like,
2: yeah, I'm not, I'm not
0: into this. Like, and it was a shame because I thought that it was close, but it, but it didn't quite. Yeah. Leviathan. And I read some of his articles where he was like uh, the interviews with him where he's like, yeah, believe me, where I'm going with with it, with Leviathan is it starts with the kaiju stuff, but again, he's like, but I have a lot of horror stuff that I want to work in there. And for whatever reason, I had a weird like like it just didn't click for me. But Outer Darkness clicks so strongly for me that I it like my ears practically rang.
1: So, well, I am I am very curious about that. I like, you made it sound very interesting.
0: Yeah, so I think you should check it out. Like you might I may have you know done an inverted Bohemian Rhapsody, so, so, an, an inverted bow rap where you're like ah yeah Jeff you oversold that by half. But I I was shocked by how much I liked it. Um, and finally the third movie that I saw, which has no reason to be talked about other than i have to admit that i saw it is i watched tag um because (laughs) it's made with a bunch of very likable people and i had no brain cells whatsoever and um it is it is a dumb movie i would rank it sort of on on like par with game night which is also a movie that is dumb filled with a lot of actors and actresses that i like um, but yeah, it's not really defensible other than. Oh,
2: Jeff. <laughs>
1: here's here's why I'm I said oh Jeff twice. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the video store in Portland called Movie Madness?
0: I am not. I'm not.
1: Uh, it's part of the Hollywood Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or it's it, they it, the Hollywood Theater now either co owns it or owns it. Got it. Um, and it's it like it's do you remember LeVideo video in Portland mm-hmm. in San Francisco? It's Lavideo video plus wow. essentially. In other words, it's got every fucking thing. Mm. And I was in there recently. And, you know, you look at all the cult things. I was like, Lindsay Anderson. I I haven't seen it for a lucky man for a long time. Mm. Uh, You know, there's the the season three of Twin Peaks, which I still haven't seen. Mm, Maybe I'll get that. And then literally I saw a tag and I genuinely had like four or five minutes of being like, it's probably going to be shit, but it might be entertaining shit. (laughs) So I kind of loved that, like, after I did that, you're like, I had the same thought, but I actually went through with it.
0: Yes. Yeah, I totally did. I totally did. And and there are reasons that I won't go into that are basically, like, it, it, it was it was a, it cost me nothing. It was not a problem to all go see. It's weird. Like, I'm Mr. Like, oh, mm-hmm, hoity-toity. <laughs>
1: But, this is super weird you've just, like literally i was just like he probably watched it like an hbo or something or or maybe it's on netflix and you just made it sound so fucking suspicious i know i would go into it but it cost me nothing it's right. like, yeah why like you didn't you you're like someone who's like admitting to a crime that no one even knew existed exactly exactly <laughs> like Which i, I didn't word. say this yeah. stolen but <laughs> right exactly
0: the means that i saw it through were legitimate if I were a Canadian named Boris Carlson, yeah, no, 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 no. I,
1: I. <laughs> Boris. On related notes, I have your Netflix password.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, right. Basically. So right. It was one of those things. I was actually gonna move on and say like when you saw Bohemian Rhapsody, um.
1: I saw it at the theater. I saw a. Right.
0: Yeah. Yes. No, no, I wasn't. You You weren't like, ah, Jeff, I pay for my content. Fuck you. You know, No. <laughs> I, I get where you're going with that. And I understand. But no, no, no. Seeing Bohemian Rhapsody in the theater. Did you also have the trailers that led you to suggest that the people programming the trailers had no idea who the fuck was going to watch Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, uh,
1: I I saw it at the Laurelhurst Theater, which generally also has the same trailers. Which is like we're a quasi art house cinema. Oh, so okay. going to show you like I I in fact I'm not exaggerating. I think it might have been exactly the same trailers that Black Klansman did. Oh, when God. I saw Black Klansman, wow, at the okay, Lander's all right,
0: theater. all right, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, that's really funny then. So, so yeah, you know, it's it's fair to say that they do not program their trailers specifically for a movie. Ah, uh,
0: I see. Well, it sh- it seemed like that was the case at Bowrap unless, you know, unless it was programmed by like, I don't know, like Russian chatbots. Like, like, Cuz like we like trailer. saw like there was like a ho- there was like a horror movie like, you know, one of those like, oh, it's an evil possessed kid movie or, you know.
1: No, there there was there was Green Book. Uh Oof. There there was uh, a movie that I honestly can't remember the name, despite the fact I've seen this trailer a bunch of times now, mm-hmm. where it is essentially like a kid gets a photograph of the police shooting a dude unlawfully and then like... Maybe he's related to a cop or something. There's someone else who's just basically like, think about what you've got. Think about what you can do with it. Right. Be responsible. And it's like, you could go to jail. You could go to court. You could be famous. Oh, I think and I like, remember you know,
0: that. And, of course, it's one of those fucked up things where the cop is black, right, to make it more of Right, yes, of a, yes, like, exactly. Yeah, to, to make it movie. like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right, right, right.
1: Um, and then there was, did you have a Human* Rhapsody trailer that was thanking people for seeing the movie in the theater? uh yes yes we was really weird so that yeah. was like that that was something that was that was new and surprising
0: yeah i thought that was kind of weird too yeah where they're like there were so many amazing talented people that went into the making of this movie and thank you so much for supporting them which i gotta admit there's a way in I'd which like, like
1: what you saw tag jeff <laughs> you know it's kind of amazing because that is exactly what they had they had a voice
2: come in at the end.
1: So great that you did this and saw this in the theater, unlike
0: Tag, which Jeff just saw via voodoo, last, you know, late, later today. So yeah, yeah, no. God damn it. It's legit. I swear to you everyone, I did not pirate the movie. It's legit.
1: Anyway. I just... It, look, it's going to become part of, you know, the mythology of Wayward.
2: No? Right. <laughs> e- like the guy who
0: never pirates <laughs> also, anything. It's also, gonna be known tag. for pirating fucking tag. tag. I know. That's the part that I just this is the the part of you that's so evil, Graham, is you're such a nice person, except for the parts where you're like, This is truly evil shit that you're doing here. So like if this if this sticks, I will be beyond appalled anyway so they had they had these trailers the the point of this this story is now utterly lost there was a trailer you know that um uh will ferrell and uh
1: the very talented guy (laughs) come on work with me here jeff what who what is he
0: doing? It's Dewey Cox and Walk Hard. Um, oh,
1: um, John C. Riley. Uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. The sister brothers. Yeah, exactly. No, or is it the sister brothers, or is it the because the, they're doing shit? Is it um Laurel and Hardy? No, although
0: right, Jesus, John C. Riley's having a championship year. He's gonna have the sister brothers, Laurel and Hardy. And then and Holmes and Watson, Holmes they're doing Holmes and Watson. And that's, Watson
2: that's
0: that's the Edie and I all but laughed until we cried during
1: that trailer. Really? Edie... I have that trailer. Is it f- legitimately funny, or is it laughing till we cry because you're embarrassed for everyone involved?
0: No no, 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 no. Because it's so genuinely stupid. Like it's like I don't know how to describe it. Like other people might disagree. I'm not a big fan of Will Ferrell's like stupider than thou comedies. Generally, as a rule of thumb, I'm like I can take or leave them. It's better when John C. Riley's involved, but there's something about them taking the piss uh for Holmes and Watson after all the serious Holmes and Watson love that we've had that is great that's great because it is like the the thing starts going, and it's like Watson is clearly an idiot, and then Holmes also is an idiot, and so they're just they're both just genuine morons, and so it's hilarious. Having Sherlock Holmes be a moron, like, there's, I don't know, like, this will show you how ridiculously old I am, and it will be appalling when we find out Graham has seen it as well. But that movie, like, without a clue, where, like, uh, I think Michael Caine plays Sherlock Holmes, and he's just an actor who's been hired I, by I have
1: indeed seen without a clue.
0: Holy God, Graham, what is, I don't
1: understand <laughs> you at all sometimes. I really don't i i how do you here's the thing i am nowhere near the the movie expert that you are or or you know definitely not you know when you get into like whiskey or anything like that like i have seen you know one percent of the films he has Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right i however have seen some random ass films for entirely random reasons. Yes.
0: As as we all do. But you somehow have managed, as is so much with, like with so much of you, Graham, somehow managed to see all of them. Like, you're like, no, I haven't seen it. And then you run down a list. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, no, yep, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. Wait, oh, is that the, no, I'm sorry, I was thinking of the other thing. Yeah, I saw it. You know, it's just...
1: That's, that's, bless you for thinking that, but it's 100% not nah, true. I
0: don't even wanna, I don't even wanna put this to the test, cause I just know. It's, it's like the whole thing in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, where the coin just comes up, like.
1: I'm so tempted to be like, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was <laughs> waiting for it. I was waiting for it. So, anyway, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> Jesus God. Anyway,
0: um, so, wow, we actually, uh,
1: we made it like, two hours. We didn't really talk that much about comics, but we, we made it to two hours, and that's okay, all the people really wanted We identify.
0: talked about Avengers. We talked about Hulk. I talked about Outer Darkness and GoBots. We talked about Electric Warriors, number one. You brought me <laughs> up to speed on Justice <laughs> well, League. Have you you we, made
1: notes? What's that? No, have no. You been... I just have my screen oh, open in front of me, so I'm... You, very, you have a very good memory in that case. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Wait, we talked
0: about Superman. It's that horrible, like, movie thing. You know, like, you know, uh, I don't know, like, uh, when you go to the Alamo, they have their pre program show, which is, you know, sometimes it's annoying, but the great thing about it is it's not the usual, welcome to Cinemark, you know, where they do that yeah. thing where it's like, they just show you ads for like 20 minutes and then pretend that they showed you content and you're just like, fuck you.
1: You know, they're like, but then with the end. The end. end. I, I I love it when when you're at the movie theater and it's like it's always the chain theaters and it's like, did you know Michael Caine was in a Muppet film? Which I... one? Answer after this. And then it'll like will be a card and I'll be like, have you ever tried candy? And then it'll be like <laughs> Michael Caine was in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Ha ha! And you get that for like half an hour and then it's like, thank you for watching the pre-show entertainment. Oh, and you're like, fuck. Kill me now. See,
0: that is the sort of stuff I used to laugh at, but I miss dramatically now.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. No, because it's always
0: like, hi, I'm Maria Menudos, and you've been watching, you know, Sony's Showtime. We went took you behind the scenes of oh, yes. the new season that, of yes. Elementary, and I'm like, you just showed me a fucking ad. We took you into the dystopian dark future of Terminator Salvation. I'm like, you just showed me a fucking ad. Like, it's just this horrible. Like, they show you like fucking commercials and like, like the sh- like the shit that 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 makes electronic press kits look deep and incisive you know oh it's all
1: from it it's all from the the...
0: exactly it's always this shit i'm just like ah and then it's interspersed with like ads where it's like oh like we finally saw what the m&ms are up to and i was you know what that always reminds me of what
1: you know when you get a cab in new york and you have the little television jesus yes yes it's that Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's see, and was the thing the where, like, the first time you get in a cab in New York, or for me at least, I was like, "This is novel." And within like two minutes, it's you realize it's cycling right? back, and you're like, "What the fuck is this?" And if you're in a cab ride that lasts anywhere longer than ten minutes, like I took a cab when I was there for New York Comic Con, I took a cab from from right, uh, so you've from the, to the hotel back to, yeah. to JFK. Well, see, that's it. right? And not right and by the end of it you're literally like i will fucking rip this screen totally, off this totally. like, and throw it out the fucking window i do not need to see one more time an advertisement for you know and it's all just random shit
0: oh yeah oh well it's random shit and there's also just an amazing amount of like there's a a deeply significant amount of jimmy fallon's budget goes to like Buying promotional space in the back of
1: New York cabs. Yes, it's nuts. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. But 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 the the movie thing always reminds me of that because I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Where it's like you know, we've just taken you to Atlantis. Exactly.
2: Mm -hmm. Have you though?
0: really you yeah. you just sort of showed me some promotional bullshit it's not taking me anywhere like that is and it is it's exactly the sort of shit you'd see behind a cab the cab stuff is amazing because like you said it's like you start from like oh this is interesting and two minutes later you're like where can i mute this and then you do and you're like okay and then four minutes later you're like can i turn this off can i just like like at a certain point you're just like can i can i throw this seat out of the car like that's all i want like <laughs> oh god it's that's a I, fucking I,
1: show. I told you my my new york Comic Con cab story didn't i like the airport story uh
0: yes you did which is great did you officially tell it on air i don't remember if you did or not.
1: i think i did i think you did as well uh, yeah, like, but i was going to tell the 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 B-side, if you will, which is I got the, the cab back from, from the mm-hmm. hotel to the airport, uh, and because it was at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, it took maybe, like, 20 minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, for the love of fucking God! Yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs>
0: which is the fact that that person tried to drop you in Queens was just... Right! I fucking
1: love that angle of the story. Um, but... <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, uh... We don't need to go into my cab experiences anymore. <laughs> it's a shame. Everyone's like, <laughs> so, I don't. What happened do you with like you go, guys? What's that? Do you only go to Alamo? You don't go to like the old theaters where they do the whole like, you know, here's a card and here's a card and you know, why don't you buy some raisinettes? You don't do that anymore. No, 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 no. Uh, so what? Ha- so the
0: thing about the Alamo that is vexing, not least of which is like, you know, whatever rampant sexual harassment that was swept under the rug repeatedly for so long at other theaters uh uh, is that the alamo will like just like there's five screens like they're within walking distance and if you catch them at the right time like everything's right but like bohemian rhapsody is showing there there's four screenings a day and every screen every showing is on a is is on a screen that literally has 14 seats because you buy tickets in advance at the Alamo, like you reserve your tickets, un unsurprisingly, every everyone like thirteen of those fourteen seats are show- are sold out for every showing. Like And the other thing that I find really exasperating, and maybe this is the case with all the other Alamos, I suspect that their web people just don't have their shit together. There are times where you can't get a ticket more than like two days in advance, and so everything's sold out. And after that, they just won't have listings. I'm like, you're not closing the theater on Thursday. What's happening? And usually it's because they very actively i think schedule and move their movies around from screening to screening and that's the other thing because the alamo is a really active event place they are there's like times where they're like oh we've got a special screening here we've got a preview screening here you know there were some movies that they would show on the big screens in the evenings and then if you wanted to go to like a noon matinee it was on a 12 seater it's just weird so on the one hand the programming at the Alamo I mostly love, but there's like a prime window to see stuff. And if you don't catch it within that window, you're kind of screwed. So we have been going to, you know, like I said, the Cinemark cinemas where it's like a nineplex or something like that. There's mm-hmm. plenty of seats. There's plenty of screenings. Everything's fine. But again, it's it's the whole like, you've been watching, you know, and it's just like, Ugh. The amount of garbage that's cut shoved your way
1: is is audacious i, mean, I I've got to parts. say like i i've and I've said this many times before Portland's collection of like second run theaters yeah is is just great like yeah. i i have I've been thinking of somewhere very close to your heart jeff but you've, which I haven't been to in legitimately years, but the Kennedy school. Mm. Like, I keep thinking I want to go back to the Kennedy School at some point. Yeah. Because unless I am – unless it has changed in the, again, you know, maybe 10 years since I've been there, um, it's not – like, it's not basically a screen in a an old school hall but filled with, like, armchairs and couches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The seats are really comfy. Which, which and,
0: I yeah. just love. hmm It's great. It is great. I got to tell you, as everyone remembers – I had a less than inspiring time staying at the Kennedy School where I went and saw Annihilation, but but I also went and saw, like, they had, like, a midnight screening. Was it a midnight screening? I think it was a midnight screening of Jaws that was fucking great. Like, big screen, comfy couch. They brought me my pizza. I was... I was in heaven. And, I mean, in a way, part of it is sort of, I mean, you, you, of course, have gone to the Baghdad, which was my first yeah. experience with the um, restaurant-movie-theater combo and addicted me way back when in the 90s. But, um, you know, so they continue to refine this stuff. But, yeah, it's kind of great. The other thing that's great about your guys' stuff is... At least for the most part, most of your stuff's still cheap. I mean if you go to the Alamo, the, the uh the Alamo, sorry, the Kennedy School, like I think the movies are still relatively low priced even if you're I mean they're free if you're staying in the on the grounds, but they're not expensive if you're going to like the movies themselves as I recall.
1: You know? In I part mean, because it's, they're practically the, second. These days, run. Yeah, these days it is like eight bucks for a movie. Okay. I mean that's I mean, the bag used to be super cheap. The bag died, bag after again. The bag used to be like three bucks.
0: Right. Exactly. Okay. That's what I was thinking was that they had, they were like three dollar screenings or whatever. But maybe they're yeah they've they've crawled up in price. No,
1: I everything's basically gone up a bit
0: now. Yeah. We were going to go see Bohemian Rhapsody at a movie theater in San Francisco after I got off of work, and the tickets were fifteen dollars a piece and yeah i like Edie i was guess like no absolutely yeah. not so like, some films and especially bloom are not worth that much oh, money oh yeah completely completely like so we paid we paid the early bird showing to see it uh at the, at a movie theater so i think we paid like 9 dollars a piece to to see it which was great not a problem by by which i mean like you know compared to 15 dollars so yeah, movie movies they cost so much and such small portions. But
1: um they... I on, I honestly thought when you said you saw Bohemian Rhapsody, that that was going to be a review of Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> like a, you know, it's so shitty but in so small portions such or something small like portions. that. I, yeah, yeah, totally. I really genuinely thought that's where you're going to go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is And that so I I'm, I'm oddly thrilled that you got there in the end. <laughs>
0: Ah yes, yes indeed. Uh, Graham, please tell us what what's what's coming up for what's what's in our future? Because I don't, I think we discussed it, but I'm uh, part of me is not really even sure that
1: I know. You know, I think we probably discussed it as well. Did we actually come to a decision about it? <laughs> I think that normally, Who The fuck knows. I, this... I no, normally we would be taking next week off. Yes. However. Yeah. If we did that. That's right. <laughs> then we would uh basically run into Christmas with our, our recording schedule. exactly. So You're not taking next week off. But right. Jeff, I want to uh throw something in your direction oh and you can tell me if it's a terrible idea or not. Okay. Do you want to do a Baxter building next week, which is theoretically early? Uh
0: yes. No, I think that's a good idea. The the we'll okay. do the annuals next next yep. week. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And then maybe we can finish the Baxter building for the end of the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a good idea.
1: Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Whatnots, you just heard us plan. This is what we normally do when we're not recording.
0: You know, except Whatnots, I have to tell you, it's a bigger mess than this. I mean, you have listened to me talk, so you know how problematic getting to the end of a sentence is for me. Once you throw planning in on top of it, Everyone knows that Graham's got the Patience of a Saint, but when it comes to planning with me, like, you have no idea. So the fact that we wrap this up so quickly is...
1: what? What is genuinely great is... This is maybe the first time where I've been genuinely sad that this is an audio-only podcast. Because I literally pulled a face when you said, you know, Graham has the Patience of a Saint. Like, I actually did a comedy face of, I don't think so, Jeff... <laughs> no one it's around me no one was here to see it and yet I still pulled the face you base. still did the it'd be great if you just like sort of like turned to face the camera <laughs> that is not there like mm. <laughs> no exactly I did like it was totally an office thing where I was like mm, <laughs> <"Yeah>? really <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so everyone you you've, you you know the drill we're gonna be back next week um, we are uh going to be discussing. Do you know?
1: Do you remember the annual numbers? I'd hate to make us. Look I want to say it's twenty-four through twenty-seven. Yeah, that sounds
0: right. So, but double-check the website to make sure. Um, and we have we literally have something like four minutes to close things up. So, Graham,
1: do you want to? Do you want to- sure, let's, let's get it done. Let's get this party started as the black eyed peas didn't say. Let's get it started. That was their, their terrible, uh, let's pretend we didn't say the R word. We have show notes for this episode up at weightwattpodcast.com. We have an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash weightwattpod. We have a Tumblr, weightwattpod.tumblr.com. We have a Twitter account at podcasts. Jeff Lester has a Twitter account at lazybastid, L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I have a Twitter account at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we have a Patreon account because we are... Fortunate souls to be supported by people as lovely as you, Jeffrey,
0: oh man, that was so elegant, Graham. I feel like I should just be like what he said, Graham, but no, i I, I will say like yes, you guys are amazing and wonderful. uh, all of our listeners were so grateful for you for both managing to keep us talking. And yet, also kind of keeping us on track. So, uh, thank you for that. And believe me, I'm sure if Graham didn't make a face when I said that after the episode we just had, I'm sure you yourself uh, did. And that's, that is perfectly understandable. We also really want to thank, again, the wonderful people on Patreon. Throw us a, a little bit of the old, uh, cosmic coin, uh, to, keep us um, motivated and inspired. The Baxter Building is a direct result of that. Uh, we're especially grateful to Time Crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy uh, for their continuing support of this podcast and this little neck of the uh, celestial arm we call home. Graham?
1: I think time Crew as eloquent I, I was going to say Eloquence is a dove
2: I don't know quite where I was going with that
1: so us with not it. inaccurate for me but yeah a little baffling <laughs> oh man <laughs> look as eloquent as a dub is now a catchphrase for this podcast it totally gonna is it's, it's going to be the title week. episode it's going to be the title week. of the episode after week after week for the love of god um one as <laughs> we're going to be back next week for the Baxter Building where Jeff will once again be as eloquent as a dove. <laughs> oh god until then bye <laughs>